0: Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So
3: I got into this conversation with my son last night, and I wanted to get us uh, some different perspectives on this. So we've got Joe and I's perspective. Joe and I are almost exactly the same age. Do you know that, Alex? Joe and I are ten days apart. Well, you're both twenty-eight? Yes. Mm-hmm. Joe's t- ten days older than me, which explains his maturity. Certainly. Um, then we have, uh, like, an, another decade down, you get to Michelangelo, and then you get to another decade or so down to Alex. So we got like three generations practically here. Um, of, so my son, I pick him up from football practice last night, and, uh, they're starting to practice in pads tonight for the first time. So that'll be kind of interesting to see when they're actually starting to hit each other. There's some sort of federal law or state law. You have to have eight practices before you're allowed to be in pads. They've got all kinds of rules huh. for this sort of stuff. But anywho, so I got into the conversation about, well, when school starts pretty soon, then you'll be practicing right after school. Because he thought it was going to be like you come home from school and then go back. No, 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 you'll practice after school. And he said, so I'll wear my uniform to school? No, I said, no, you won't wear your football uniform to school. You'll wear your normal clothes, and then you'll change into your uniform after school. And he said, where? And I said, in the locker room. And then after practice, I suppose you'll take a shower and, uh, and then put your regular clothes back on. I mean, that's the way we always did. And he said, a shower? What do you mean? Like, do we have separate stalls? Oh, oh. And, and I said, <laughs> well, I said, I have no idea the way it works now, but certainly when I was young, we all stood in one great big open room with shower heads coming out of it and took showers, including the coaches. I mean, so there were, and she, mm. he was, was horrible. We didn't have the, we did not have the coaches shower he with didn't. us. Okay. So this, no. see, these are all differing things here so um he was horrified at the idea of him and other students being naked in a room together now so far does that track with your experience in school michelangelo yes or no did you shower did you regularly shower in a big room with a bunch of other boys nobody showered
4: period there was one guy that showered and wanted to be naked all the time and he was by (laughs) himself
3: so you were you supposed to be showering
1: it was optional, but everybody looked at each other and nobody wanted to do it.
4: Okay, Alex, your experience. Uh, we had one guy who showered every day after practice, but that's because he had religious observances afterwards. But he wore a pair of athletic shorts after he was done. Show- uh, after he was done with practice,
3: but everybody else just went home sweaty. Went home in our cars. Went home
4: showered from home. What did, did a shower exist? Like, did a big shower room exist? We had them. We just nobody ever used them, but we had them. Wow, how interesting.
3: That is interesting. Do you find it, both of you, Michael and Alex, do you both find it weird that, for instance, when I was in high school, geez, every day from fifth grade, almost every day from fifth grade through graduating high school, I showered in a big room full of other people? Does that seem weird? I got to say, it kind of does for me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it does seem weird. Wow, I was grateful for it because I had to go straight to
5: work after baseball practice in a restaurant. I couldn't be stankin'. I took well, And there was no time to go home.
3: But so did you get like get all sweaty doing sports or gym class or whatever, and then put your
4: clothes on your sweat? Well, I, ha- I had the luxury of having PE the last period of the day because that was our football practice. They uh-huh. use that as part of our football team. So for me, I could just go home after football practice. Now the circumstance. But you of- went home in your football
3: clothes, or did you put on? You you take off your football clothes and put on like underwear and socks and everything over your sweaty body. That, I, I see, that seems weirder to me than showering.
4: I brought a third set of clothes. I brought just shorts and a t-shirt that I didn't care if they got ratty and gross. I went mm-hmm. home and showered in them any or okay. from them anyways.
3: Text line four one five two nine five KFTC is the day of. You finish getting all sweaty and everybody showers together. Over has that been gone for? Is it dead as disco?
5: And ladies,
3: what's happening with uh, women these days, young women? What what are, what are the practices there? So you, you know, now that I think about it, there was only one coach that ever showered with us. Uh Uh-oh. Coach Nasser. Hanson, can you jump on the microphone? You are yet from a different, uh, Uh socioeconomic age group and everything like that. Right. Showering is a group, yes or no? Yes, yes, I don't know about your experience, Joe, but we all showered and nobody thought it was weird and I and, and as far as I know, people weren't uncomfortable starting in the uh, junior high, as we called it. yeah, I think in middle school, f- fifth grade when I started wrestling in fifth grade, and I don't remember being uncomfortable at all, really. I mean my dad just told me, yeah, and then he'll shower them okay and I just told well, they were the,
5: the varying levels of
3: maturity at that age were were interesting. Oh yeah, you uh, got but, you uh, got the sasquatch over there whose hairy is a uh, well, hairy a sasquatch. And then I am over here, you know, like a smooth uh, as a dolphin. Well, not you to mention the uh,
5: the Schwannstucker ferry had had already visited. Him. I don't
3: recall <laughs> thinking about that.
5: Well, you would have if you uh, played with some of the guys I did. <laughs> okay.
3: what, you played with the seventy four dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it was well, impressive. So th- well, this is new news to me. Got all sorts of great stuff to talk about, but quickly
5: a word from our beloved sponsor, Simply Safe, that has designed a home security system, gonna keep you safe from fire, burglary, a medical emergency. But it's simpler, easier to use, and just better than all those traditional systems.
3: Wins all kinds of awards against much more complicated, more expensive systems, and it's easy to order Simply Safe. It's simple. Uh, you go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You click around, customize the system to your home. You order it. It comes in the mail. You set it up in about 30 minutes yourself. And then you've got help with fire, burglary, medical emergency, or even just help setting up the system. And just a personal note from me, Joe, your old Uncle Joe. Don't
5: wait one day too long to get simply safe, if you know what I mean. Mm. And as our listener, you can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system. Get your first month free when you sign up for the interactive monitoring service. Just visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Customize that system. Start protecting your home, your business, your family. Simplysafe.com slash
3: Armstrong. So I guess my son then won't probably shower. Would your guess be? He's going to get back in your car and he's going to stink.
5: Yeah, uh, true that. Well, we've gone from the World War II era, where you know we were raised by generations of people who either were you know showering and pooping and the rest of it with their fellow soldiers or in close quarters, the extended family, whatever, into the much more you know private, uh, modest generations.
3: But how how in the age of porn everywhere and you know more sexual stuff more more nudity available than has ever been before is, 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 is that's is, an interesting question is that are those completely unrelated? I don't know. I don't know. um now the I do remember hearing when I was young. maybe this' is from my uncle who was a marine. I remember hearing that the then in the Marine Corps in basic training they had a toilet in the middle of the giant barracks. And if you had to do number two, you just you had to go over there with everybody in the room and you just like, just right there and do your thing. Yeah. And I, and I was horrified by that. I thought, I'm not sure I can do that. And I yes, was, me I, was too. I was considering being a Marine. And so I just, I thought, I don't know if I can do that. I can understand the, the reason for that. But, um, I didn't know if I Although could do that Once, but shower, once you get behind, behind the, certainly... the surface of it though, it's, you're doing
5: the, the, the most basic animal thing everybody does. There's no shame in it. So, you, what, you gotta break down those kind of, uh, prissy little barriers, I think. And we're much, uh, we're a much prissier society now.
3: Yeah, but, we're, well, for the Marines, yes. You yes. You can't be at a war and a guy is like all concerned about somebody's gonna see him use the bathroom. But, since we're not training a bunch of warriors in seventh grade, uh, is it necessary that they get hardened to the idea of seeing other boys naked? <laughs> So you've never seen... So you could go through your whole life never seeing another man naked in person. That's the plan. Not that you... Ne- <laughs> I prefer it, yeah. Uh, but you of homophobes here. Not that you need to, but I have seen thousands of naked males uh, in my years of showering, stuff like that. When you go to the gym, no... Like gyms, like you sign up for a gym membership. Do, do people shower there? No?
4: Oh, I I do, but I tend to you know cover up and I walk back, but there's guys uh-huh. who are just walking out naked as a jaybird back to their lockers and those guys always get kind of the side eye like eh, be modest and yeah, that, 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 that does seem clear to me some guys really
3: enjoy the nudity you know what's funny is sometimes you'll get that in a golf
5: locker room. I mean, because most guys, they you, know, you play golf, you go home, even if you belong to a, a golf club or whatever. Uh, You know, maybe you change your shoes or whatever in in the locker room. But there are some guys who will shower up, which is fine. They got somewhere to go. And then you got the one guy out of five hundred who will just walk out of the shower, dry off, and 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 let Richard swing as he walks across the locker room back to his line, no towel on him or whatever, or
3: stand there and start a conversation with you and talking, and talking, and just thinking, yeah, well, why don't you? you take the 10 seconds to put on your underwear and then start the conversation take your time i'll be right here (laughs) that's the plan michael says that's just interesting i'm not sure it matters at all but in a very short time span it went from perfectly normal to be around thousands of other people of uh, your own gender naked to not a chance ever in your life i don't know just seems interesting to me
5: Is it a form of Puritanism? Is it, it, like I was saying, is it getting away from a warrior society? Because warrior societies don't worry for a single half second about any of that.
3: Well, the Puritanism, that was why I brought up the porn and everything like that. You know, what's available on TV and billboards and stuff like that. We're less Puritanical on that front than maybe any society's practically ever been. So it can't be
4: that. I think I got it. I think because at least in middle school and high school, Everybody's changing and everything's so weird for these young boys. And while they put out this you know, masculinity, this machismo of, oh, I'm older and I'm wiser. Now I'm a senior in high school. Everybody's still so self-conscious inside. So maybe that's just a layer of vulnerability that nobody's willing to
3: share. But I wonder when it changed. And I wonder who, who made the decision. How did it change culturally all across the country at the same time? What were the driving forces? Great that, point. I, I, I really don't know. I, I really don't know
5: concern about pedophilia uh, uh, purvo coaches I don't I don't know
3: oh and then we do need to throw in the, you Joe's dad who's told this story on many times on the radio it was swimming class
5: uh yeah in uh, I believe it was a Catholic high school in the Bronx uh, you had no bathing suits you swam in the nude and it's funny I just ran into somebody else I was having a
3: conversation and they had the same experience now, uh, roughly the same generation that has always struck me as odd. Uh, what's the. Re- it makes sense to shower without clothes on. Yes. Why are you swimming with nothing on? Reduces drag. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because you had purvo Catholic priests who had an opportunity to have a whole bunch of young men naked. That's why.
5: I, I wonder. I don't know how widespread that was in the. This would be ah uh, the end of the 40s uh early 50s first you, half of the 50s i can tell
3: you pretty much how widespread it was very very widespread it was oh the pet, the pedophilia i don't know about the swimming naked but certainly the pedophilia was by all documentation
4: mm-hmm,
3: the yeah. catholic church in those days was absolutely shot through and through with pedophiles mm. so yeah i Troubling. think that's what i think that's what was driving that now the change in showering i have no idea if you have any comment text line is and i don't think it's important it's just
4: what? Wow. Okay, it's
5: coming together in my mind, and if some of you are way ahead of us, again, text four one five two nine five KFTC, or if you'd prefer, it to email, mailbag at Armstrong dot com. I wonder if some of it had to do with pedophilia liability. Uh, um you just if you if you can avoid having a bunch of children naked, probably best to
3: avoid it. Wow, it worked for well, probably since the dawn of man, really. Mm hmm. Yeah. We're, we're well the, we're a decadent
5: empire and it's uh later stages
0: armstrong and getty jack armstrong
5: and joe getty True, I depression? the armstrong and getty show
3: so we were talking last segment about uh how uh, my son has started playing football and uh as mentioned to him the idea of showering at school and he was horrified by it and now i feel bad that i've you know, he probably laid in bed last night thinking, Oh my God, I'm going to have to shower. And he's not going to have to shower with a bunch of other people based on the conversation we just had with, uh, younger folks and seeing these texts. Got this text. I'm 36. Showering in school would have been crazy to us. Just <laughs> unheard of. And we got a bunch of texts like that. And then from, so culture is fascinating to me. How culture changes and why. Absolutely. That's the most interesting topic
5: as far as I'm concerned. So
3: how did we go from a culture of, of course, everybody showered together after sports to that would be insane. And it's got to mean something. I can't nail down that it's important in any way or that it's better or worse. But it changed. Why? Mm -hmm. You know, a couple of quick uh, comments via the email
5: line. Uh, went to public school in Rockford, Illinois, took a shower before going in the pool, swam naked, took showers afterward. And then uh, this one, uh, you swim naked so you don't have hundreds of wet suits with no place to dry them.
3: Yeah, somebody said that uh, cotton getting in the filters was a problem. Maybe, I don't know, it would also be a good... Pervo priests excuse to have uh, naked kids swimming from 32 but joe maybe. biden swims naked in front of secret service agents and he went to a catholic school maybe it's just a thing i don't know now this is interesting and i will be writing back to
5: uh, dr mike but mike says i'm a pediatrician taught sexual health issues for two decades if you want to know the whole story let me know we do actually mike i also feel as showers went away body dyson rue disorders Terms I don't know. And objectification skyrocketed. Kids learn all their body knowledge from porn now.
3: Wow, that's interesting. So your only experience with seeing another naked human is pornography, right? So you would have you would have the average young man has never seen normal people, a norm other normal kids naked. His peers, you've never seen your peers, average peers naked, but you have seen people in porn who are almost always. Very, very good looking. Yes, that and well endowed. Of mean, course, that could actually mean something. That yeah. could actually mean something. So that is pretty interesting. That this whole body shaming, body, you know, I'm concerned about my body thing, seems to coincide pretty closely with the disappearance of showering. I don't know.
5: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I was on the Cardinal Hayes New York Catholic High School swim team in 1954. I don't think Cardinal Hayes is where my dad went, but that sounds almost right. We used the NYU swimming pool and had to practice in the nude. Priests were assistants or titled sponsors and observed our practices. We wore bathing suits at all swimming meets competitive, even when the meet was held at NYU. No. I thought it was weird and quit after one season.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, I think we have two different topics on the swimming Catholic church thing. I mean, yeah, well, the documentation is out there about Catholic schools, particularly in the Northeast, what was going on. I mean, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the, the disappearing of seeing your peers What their bodies actually look like could have a lot to do with all the things you hear about. Well, the idea of shame
5: and I guess shame is the right word of of, you must never have your body seen ever under any circumstances. I don't think that's healthy. You know, and I hate to be just a knee jerk. My generation had it right because it's not like I voted on it. But it it gave you a, uh, hey, everybody's different,
3: I'm fine feeling about your body. Sure, absolutely. That might be significant. If I was a younger person, I'd do like some sort of college term paper on that somehow. Sounds like a good idea. Then submit it to us. All these young people that are struggling with body issues, it's because they haven't seen normal people's bodies and realize
1: this is what we all look like. Right, and it's fine. And it's fine.
0: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio and the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty,
4: and now
3: he is Armstrong and
5: Getty.
0: The P2P method produces meth that is very strong. So strong, it makes the user paranoid. Sometimes, even violent. Something Eddie Breedwell has experienced for himself.
2: But it had me hearing. People talking that wasn't was even talking, but I could hear them in my head, and they were all cops. I sat in the park for three hours, afraid to move off a park bench, because I thought as soon as I got up and started walking that they were going to get me.
0: What would have happened if someone had approached you at that moment?
2: I would have probably freaked out and probably got violent.
5: KGW TV in Portland that did a major feature on meth, including the so-called new meth, which is actually old meth back again, but it's of astounding purity and available in such enormous quantities, and it's at such a super low cost, it is it is
3: causing severe mental illness in weeks not years. Okay, so uh back up a second here. Sure. So um this is the new meth that you've been talking about since you read it about it in the Atlantic and we haven't heard about it anywhere else. They did mention the new meth? They did, absolutely. So they the, were talking about the okay. P2P meth. And you're saying it's the old meth?
5: Yeah, it was uh, the biker gang central California meth of like the 80s and 90s, but um again, it's much more Pure, much more plentiful and cheaper now. So people are able to do enormous amounts of it, wow. um, which may be as important as the chemical content. I, uh, some folks have sent us information on that. I'm not a chemist. I don't know what to make of it, but um, I'm just going with the experts. So uh, a couple of things. Here's why I'm so excited about talking about this or, or in th- uh, adamant about talking about this. And I know Jack f- feels the same way. Let me flip something on its head. Here I am. I'm a lefty in this scenario. I'm a liberal. I believe government's here to solve the problems of everybody. Here's my speech. Drug addiction is a disease. We treat diseases, if necessary, without charge. Physical disease, mental illness, and the disease of drug addiction. We should be treating all of these poor people who have fallen prey to this disease of meth addiction on our streets. But you know who won't let us? Conservatives who are denying over and over and over again that these people have a drug addiction disease. Well, except that it's the opposite. People like Jack and I are yelling, all these junkie camps in your city, on your streets, in your parks, those are not quote-unquote homeless camps. Those are people with an insidious drug addiction. And for reasons that we could go through if you'd like, the left is denying that. Isn't that strange? They just want the zillions of dollars to keep flowing to housing programs and or they don't want to blame the victim, whatever that means. Right. Tell you what, at the point that you feel like you can't say what's true because it's inconvenient, you probably ought to take a look at yourself and your morals and your, you know, your your priorities. So anyway, that's why we're presenting this. Uh and coming up just a blockbuster email from a, a friend of the Armstrong and Getty show who's a uh, uh a reformed meth addict. So the format of this report on KGW, they had a couple of experts, a former Lincoln County DA, Lincoln County's on the coast, um, and, uh, and a lot of drug use out in the rural areas, meth use there as well as the cities. Um But it also features three fellas who were former tweakers who now have a city job cleaning up the streets and are trying to get their lives together, and they are speaking very, very frankly about what they observed on the streets, which is good. And we heard from one of them, Eddie Breedwell, um, let's have, uh, reporter Ashley Hoke here briefly clip 75, uh, Michael,
0: based on their observations, they estimate the majority of people on Portland streets are indeed using meth.
4: If I were to guess, I'd probably say it, almost everybody. And, and it's really sad to say that, but it's
2: true.
1: This cold, you, you know, you don't know where your next dollar's coming from. And, you know, the drug world's big. It's easy to get high.
3: You can't solve a problem if you don't identify the problem, obviously. It seems like maybe we're getting closer to identifying the problem. It, ex- it explains some of the why homelessness ex- has exploded in recent years. And why we're doing such a bad job of, uh, you know, doing anything about it. We, we, we completely misidentified the problem. Now, I never bought the idea that it was high rents and housing prices. That doesn't make any sense. Any normal human being can't afford to live where they're living. They move someplace cheaper. <laughs> they don't become a drug addict and start stealing stuff and pooping in the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's some new drug around that everybody's on and getting hooked on, yeah. That that all fits together. That makes perfectly good sense. Unfortunately, as you pointed out earlier, there are billions and billions, billions with B's, billions just for towns already allotted to solving the housing crisis, not the drug crisis. Right, exactly.
5: Now you might even argue to me that, well, these people became homeless because of high bills and high rents and that sort of thing. Then they got addicted to meth because you know you got to do something to pass the time, and and now they're a drug casualty. Okay, well, we got to address the drug casualty thing. Yeah, it, or, it, we're just not going to get anywhere.
3: I hearken back to a New York Times story that I brought in. Geez, was it two years ago? It's been a while. They did a big feature, and the 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 idea was, you know, how. How you end up homeless, or it was it was supposed to be an example of why homelessness. Oh, happens. I remember. And they this, had this yeah. guy who was a sommelier at a very expensive restaurant. That's a wine expert who goes around your table and recommends particular wines. And it's a like super one percenter sort of job and 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 culture that he came from. And he ended up homeless. And this long long article, one paragraph, two thirds in, they mention that. He became a meth addict and blah, blah, blah. But then back to the tragic fact that the sommelier who used to hobnob with rich people is now on the streets. Uh, you you kind of yada, 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 the meth addiction. Indeed, that's why you got fired for being yeah, a tweaker. That was the whole thing. Right, The whole thing. And that happens a lot. Happens a lot. Here's somebody on the street. Then they immediately pivot. The average rental price in this town is $1,100 a month. For a, what, Wait a second. Wait a second, let's get back to how this person ended up on the street. They're freaking a meth addict. Clip number 76, Michael.
0: Kenneth, a gun violence survivor, believes meth is also playing a big part in the violence in Portland.
1: Gunshots are going off down here, left and right. You know, there's areas that we don't even go to because it's too dangerous.
5: 77.
1: The one thing that, that, that I see a lot of is judgment. You know, just what I do out here is when I see somebody in distress, somebody that's having a a hard time with being, you know, addicted to drugs, being homeless, I tell them my story. I let them know, hey, you know, I was just like you February 27th. I was just like you. You know, I was right where you were. And, you know, I got shot and I made a choice to make a phone call and get a job.
5: And then finally, 78, this is the uh, Lincoln County DA,
3: former. We're seeing spikes in the state hospital. We're seeing all of these side effects play out on the street and in our systems as a result of um, really super potent, super pure meth everywhere.
0: In the bigger picture for the meth problem.
3: My real concerns are that this is probably going to get worse before it gets better. Oh, how could it get worse? Yeah, yeah,
5: I know. How scary is that? So uh, nice job, KGW-TV. Excellent reporting, really. That's what journalism is. That's, Thank you. That's
3: what journalism is supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, well if we can identify the freaking problem, we might have a chance. And so, uh this from uh Al anonymous. He actually didn't
5: ask for anonymity, but um I'm going to give it to him just for the heck of it. Uh guys, hearing Jack mention how he'd met me a couple of weeks, go made my day. This is a gent you've met. Obviously. Why I was arrested and booked into jail all the time when I was a bum and a tweaker. Junkie, IV meth addict, experiencing homelessness. He says, and has in quotes. Being an undisciplined alcoholic and addict, I seldom showed up for my court dates, frequently picked up new charges on top of old warrants, mostly petty crimes, uh, citations, infractions, no bike lights, camping, trespassing, drunk in public, petty theft, burglary, possession of stolen property, possession of drug paraphernalia, assault, etc. Policies like AB 109 and Props 47 and 57, Kalyunicornians know what they are, they decriminalize crime, were bragged about in jail and criminal circles. Inmates educate each other how to take advantage of these laws and new policies like no bail. Meth became a misdemeanor right after I got clean and sober. I barely dodged that bullet.
3: Wow. He sees oh. it as dodging a bullet that they made meth a misdemeanor. He might still be doing it. The
5: decriminalization was a bullet he dodged. Interesting. I was last arrested April 11, 2014. i I've been out of Yolo County Jail two weeks, had already missed a court date, lost prevention at Save Mart, stopped me stealing beer on a Friday afternoon. Wow, that's probably the last time that's happened. I didn't have an ID, so the Davis police came to identify me, arrested me on a failure to appear warrant. I pleaded with my conflict attorney and the courts to hold me. Pleaded with them to hold him so as to end the vicious cycle. Well, it's a good thing COVID wasn't going on, my friend, because that's another bullet. The bullet of compassion that kills so many. That's pretty good. I just came up with that on the fly. Anyway, oh, uh, blah, blah, blah. My crimes were not serious enough for long-term incarceration, so I was placed in the county mental health court, which is the newest diversion program at the time. Uh, they funded my 90 days stay at a, uh, Walter's house, <clears throat> which funneled me into a 12 step program, AA, getting a sponsor, working the steps was part of the curriculum requirements back then. At least two crucial steps in my recovery experience have since been removed. Wow. One, getting arrested and going to jail or consequences, as he writes. That's been removed. The bullet of compassion. Two, Going to AA, Walter's House, and other state-funded rehabs like it can no longer require as part of their curriculum that clients attend AA or NA because of the God part yeah. the 12 steps. I know.
3: Separation of church and state. Right. Even though it's not a religious thing at all, it doesn't matter. No. When I was shoplifting, I often
5: walked into the business like I owned the place. H- had even one occasion, to asked the hardware store employee to open the case for the bolt cutters for me, only to bypass the whole paying at the counterpart.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's the guy that told me that... uh when you get locked up, you lose all your stuff because homeless people don't look out for each other, and you have to start your life completely over. And the first thing you do is go to the hardware store and steal a bolt cutter, so then you can get yourself a bicycle, you know, and then you got transportation, and you just go from there, rebuild your life until you uh, get caught again. All those bikes you see in the junkie camps, friends, he writes. We're usually
5: from the campus dorms, uh, or the college campus dorms, or various uh, apartment buildings. Bike trailers were hard to come by, but worth a lot in the bum black market. Um... Uh, I stole tents uh, from a variety of places, all the stores uh, strategically stole beer, liquor, food, dog food, clothes, merchandise by rotating stores so as not to blow uh, one spot too many times in a day. Similarly, I sought camps between jurisdictions. Um, but since April 11, 2014, I've not used drugs or alcohol, and it just so happened since that I've not experienced homelessness, <laughs> been arrested, or been committed to a psychiatric hospital. That's great. So you see, the rent was too damn high. Being as house, seeking and maintaining stable housing was not real high on my priority list. In actuality, the cost of being a degenerate bum and junkie was too damn high.
3: Um... Uh, yeah he's a good I, dude. He's the one that told me that uh, the real ballers as they called him out in the in the homeless world were the, the people that had found a way to get on disability right and get their checks. He mentions that, actually. As Jack mentioned, I did not pursue the government handout
5: lifestyle with the homeless ballers, but rather I found purpose and satisfaction in his new job, which he describes and is a contributing member of society. Unfortunately, my father is a homeless heroin addict in San Francisco. Hmm. I believe he's on disability living in a city funded hotel room. The complacent state of mind he is surely experiencing is far from compassionate. Thank you, Angie Crew, for all you do to simultaneously keep me entertained and informed. As I'm uh trucking the roads of happy destiny. Uh Al, congratulations, buddy. Could not be happier for you. Do your best to you know keep on, keeping on. And thanks for telling the truth. We're not. We're not saying this because we like want to judge or look down on drug addicts. I don't particularly want zillions of dollars of my tax money wasted because we're treating the wrong problem. Okay, maybe that's a little selfish, but seriously, if you have an answer, ounce of human compassion, and you see all these junkies in their camps, that just mentally ill, scabby, their teeth falling out, the rest of it, but you're more interested in money flowing to your little cause than actually helping them i accuse you lefty america i accuse you
3: and uh the other part of it is just if you're just unaware or unwise or dumb enough to think that hey give them a check give them a monthly check and they'll get back on their feet that's the one thing that's going to guarantee they don't get back on their feet
0: armstrong and getty and Joe
1: Getty.
5: But resist, we must.
1: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: So, I had to get up really, really early today. We got a new uh, babysitter at our house for my son. And I got to walk her through all the medications and everything that is special with uh, dealing with my son. So, I was up extra early, like an hour earlier than I usually am and dressed like an hour earlier. Met with her and did all this sort of stuff. And so, I left the house like, a good half hour earlier than I ever do, and uh i I for some reason, and I think I know the reason now is I've had it explained to me by a uh, a therapist before um, people who procrastinate or or who are late regularly are doing it because they have a bad feeling about themselves, which I've never really I never really bought the first time I heard it, but I'm starting to believe it hmm. It's uh, like I'm my, my kids are never late for anything. Never, I never get my kids late to anything. It just it, it would never happen, it couldn't happen. I'm not because it would reflect poorly on them, and I don't want that to happen. Yeah, but I'm perfectly okay apparently having it reflect poorly on me psychologically or something like that. So today I'm running so early, I thought I just can't get there that early. I'm gonna stop at Starbucks. So I stop at Starbucks and get in a ridiculously long line where they have some sort of trouble with ordering and all this different sort of stuff. And the next thing you know, I'm going to be late for work. And I I sabotaged, and this is what the therapist said people do, either with procrastination, getting stuff turned in late, or being late all the time. And I just wonder if there are other people listening who have this situation. Maybe this will be helpful. Um, you sabotage yourself to, like, match your self-image that you've got of yourself or something
5: Ooh, like that. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I, I, I've heard of this in, in the context of sports, specifically golf. Some some oh, people really? get used to losing and doing poorly, and it becomes their comfort zone. And if they ever have a chance to break out of that, they'll self-sabotage because they don't want to risk trying and failing, and so they, they, they undercut themselves.
3: Wow, that's, that's a similar. known thing. That's like a discussed thing.
5: Uh, Yeah, I don't know how widely known it is, but I, I read it a few years back and thought, uh-oh, All right, well, okay, yeah, that uh, rings a little truish. Door, open, Door Michael. open,
3: Michael. Hey, everybody. Hey, look, so, let check. So that's interesting. So, like, if you had a big shot to make in golf, you might... I mean, you you're not consciously missing it on purpose or whatever, but some part of you thinks I'm not the kind of person that that wins this tournament or scores this well. Right, right. Wow, and, and, that's and, and the better you do, the more uncomfortable you
5: are. And if you if you just miss a couple of short pots, yeah, yeah, I knew it,
3: I knew it. That's me. I knew it. Wow. And you're no longer out there on the limb. Wow. That's what, so weird because I was thinking. I've been told this years ago by a therapist, but this is the first time it's been this blatantly true. Dude, you're a half hour early for work. You're fine. And you went out of your way to put yourself in a situation where you're going to make sure you weren't there on time. Are you sure you just didn't want delicious Starbucks? Well, I did want delicious (laughs) Starbucks. But that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's not big C crazy. It's small C crazy. But that's really interesting. I wonder if you can do anything to arrest that. I don't know. I don't know. I've I've also just,
5: uh, I remember back when we used to do shower thoughts uh, on Monday mornings, uh, one of my favorites was every time I wake up ten minutes early, I act like I have so much time, I make myself five minutes late. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah and i don't you know maybe I mean? that's just enjoying the luxury of a little extra time i'm but uh, you know i'm not gonna uh, analyze you you're doing a
3: fine job yeah no, i think that's really interesting in the sports angle of it that just that makes perfectly good sense i wonder if i did that when i was golfing because sometimes i'd be doing really well and then it's like you know this is i'm kind of out here where i'm not i'm not this guy mm-hmm. everybody's like looking at the scoreboard who's he what's he doing and and uh, I'm not that guy. And so I would go ahead and, you know, fire a couple into the parking lot to get, <laughs> oh. get me back to my comfort zone. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <My> four.
5: <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.
0: gamebridge.io slash for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.